Well, buenas noches el CM. Are we preaching Spanish or English today, brother? Uh, we're, pre we're preaching in English, brother. Okay. So yeah, Let me keep it clean. Keep, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll do my best. Well, I think we're gonna give him the bad news first. We did not title this message La Macarena, okay? Or like, or like Latin fusion, or what did Nick say? Hispanic panic? Yeah. No. Sorry about that. We're, we're going to get to the title of the message, but not now. You know, we've been, we've been inspired uh, and excited to share with you what we have today. Uh, the Father put us together. The Father put the words together, and we were really excited yesterday putting this uh, for you today. So are you ready? Yeah. Well, now for real. Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Today is uh, November the 3rd, 2022. And uh, we've been speaking about covenants, right? And you're going to engage with us today like, like it's nobody else's business, right? right. With us. Now, we're going to get straight to the word, and we're going to go to Genesis 21, which the pastors brought up in the last sermon. Genesis 21, verse 27. And we're going to be reading out of the ESV for the entire sermon, except the last verse we'll, we'll tell you. Now, verse 27. So Abraham took sheep, sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven Uri lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven Uri lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven Uri lambs you will take from my hand, that these may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Now, what we see here is a covenant being established. But it's being established through a perfect sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice that would provide water for Abraham, his household, and his generations. You get this? Covenant, perfect sacrifice with living water, provision of life, secured for him, his household, and his generations. Abraham understood that the only way to have life is through covenant. A covenant needed to be in place in order to secure this living water. And again, this living water and this covenant were also being secured through a perfect sacrifice. So establishing a covenant with this living water as a result from it, I think we've got to talk a little more about that, brother. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go to John 6. We will start reading on verse 53. It said, living water when you get there. So the context of this scripture is that uh, uh, the people came to Jesus asking for, for bread, asking for something to eat. Uh, on verse 27 and, and verse 29, we see this. People coming to him asking for something for them to eat, for them to, uh, to be satisfied. But Jesus, this is what Jesus told them on verse 53. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will rise him up 
on the last day. So Jesus here is making clear that the only way to have life is through covenant. To have a perfect covenant with the Son of God. You know, people came to him asking to get life from other sources, for worldly sources. But Jesus told him, no. The only way that you can have life is through a covenant with me. If through eating my flesh and drinking my blood. So understanding this, Jesus spoke to Jesus is the breath of heaven. It's the food that comes from God. And he's telling this because he knows if they eat of this, they will never die. So Abraham knew that if he make a covenant, he will live. It's required for us to make Perfect covenant to actually have life. The breath of God is the living word of God. And we need to make a covenant with the word of God in order for us to, make a to have a perfect sacrifice and to actually have life. So Jesus tell them, believe in me. Believe in me and you, uh, that's the work that is required for you to do. Believe in him. But believing in him is just not believing in him. It's believing that he is the breath of God and you must eat it in order for you to receive the light that he's promising. So unless we eat the flesh and drink his blood, there is no life in us. We have to enter into a covenant with the Lord, with the Son of God in order for us to receive life. So Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. That secure a covenant for us. And, and he gave us the living water from heaven. Not only for us, but also for our household. Just like we see Abraham receiving one. That was not only for him, but was also for his household and his generation. In the same way, when we come to Jesus and we fully give our light to make a covenant with him. We receive such life. That not only for us. But do that coming, that coming after us. So his flesh and his blood uh, is, is, is something that has to be continually on us to do. So we can become a spring of living water. Amen. Amen. So we, we've entered into this unbreakable. I mean unshakable and undestructible eternal covenant. Have we not? Yeah. And we didn't do it with some crazy guy. I mean... We did it with the Son of God, with the Creator of heaven and earth. We did it with the one and only that is worthy of such a covenant. All right? We, this, is, this is the perfect scenario. We went to a covenant with the Son of God. And in this covenant, we moved from death to sin to a life of righteousness. In this covenant, we were redeemed from an empty way, from, from a life that was worth nothing. I had nothing when I was out of covenant with my father. Nothing. I was pitiful. Pitiful. But he redeemed me. And he filled me with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He filled me with something that nobody can quench. Nobody can throw a stone and make me stumble. I will keep going forward because I'm in covenant. In an undestructible, unshakable covenant with my father. Now... He has called us his own chosen possession. In this covenant, these are the benefits of the covenant. You are a set-apart people. 
a set-apart son, completely set-apart. He has said, son, you are mine. I mean, separate from the world. That's what happens when you enter in a covenant with him. And this is beautiful. Hey, everybody shout in hallelujah. This is beautiful. There has to be a smile on our faces because we are in covenant with our Father. There has to be joy overflowing like on the face of Abimbola because he is walking in the presence and the benefits of a covenant with the almighty living God. This is what exudes from us because we truly experience the covenant with our Father. Now, this covenant though came through the death. Say death death of one man and actually more than that multiple men many men who followed that one man we became recipients and partakers of this covenant Amen. which the son of god or the, and the son of man established by his own flesh and blood Amen. that's why it needs to be eaten and drink and drunk through it we have access to the wellspring of life the living water that we and our generations after us have access to came through the, man, through, the, through the death of one man, the covenant man. By the way, that's the title of our message, covenant man. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews and learn more about this covenant man. All right, so turn to Hebrews 10, 4 through 7, and says covenant man. So this is what Hebrews 10, 4 says. For it is impossible for the blood of bull and goats... To take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In, 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 in burnt offering and sin offering, you have not take uh, you have taken no pleasure. Then I say, Behold, I have come to do your will of God, as it is written. For me is the scroll of the book. So you catch that? That sacrifices of bull and goats, the father, the father do not desire? He do not desire that. But he desired complete sacrifice. And these were not considered complete sacrifice. The bulls and the goats were not considered the sacrifices that the Lord were looking for. But instead, he gave the man... That is a covenant, something. Did you, did you catch what was that? They give him a body. They give him a body. Am I saying that right? If not, pray for the interpretation. <laughs> God gave him a body, a tent. He gave him a tent, and that's what Jesus bring as a sacrifice. He's bringing his own body, what God has given to him. He bring it back to him to be a covenant with the Lord. The Lord actually provided the covenant by giving Jesus a body. We know that there is a man. A man that is a man of a covenant. His entire life was about pleasing God. Shout his name. Come on, we know that Jesus offered the right type of sacrifice. He was the tent that gave his life for us to have a covenant with him. So we know 
that for, for this reason, Jesus was pleasing to the Lord because he gave everything that he, that he had. He did his will to the end. To the point of death, he gave everything to the Lord. And the Father delights in him. Come on, Carlos. Why do you, do you don't tell us more about presenting our body as, presenting our bodies at tent to do the will of the Father? All right, let's do it. So, he said, I have come to do your will. That's, I mean, that's a conviction worth having. Like, I am here for one reason, to present you my tent, to present you my body, to do your will, O oh Father. So we're going to talk about this a little more. Psalms 19. Let's go to Psalms 19, starting in verse 1. Yeah. Let's say, covenant man, when you get there. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Man, these are inanimate objects created by God, and they are God's workmanship. They are God's handiwork. And they declare the glory of God without words. Their voice is not heard. They proclaim, they preach without even raising your voice like I'm doing right now. They reveal knowledge because the all-knowing creator, the all-knowing God created them. How about us? I mean, if inanimate objects that do not even raise a word proclaim the glory of God, how much more do we? We are also his workmanship created for good works that he has prepared in advance for us to walk in him. We get to declare, proclaim, and reveal without even saying a word. Just like the heavens proclaim his glory. Because we are doing the works that proclaim and reveal our Father. Because we, our actions, actually do have a voice. Everything that we do it speaks of something. It speaks of who your God is. It speaks of who he is to you. It speaks of who he is to him, who you are to him. It speaks of the revelation that you have about him. Your actions speak very loud. And that is why the heavens don't need to raise up their voice. And, but, and no one is without excuse as soon as they look to the heavens. They know that the mighty God, a mighty glorious God created them. Amen. Now, Marlon, make it personal for us. Come on, man. Let's, let's, let's hang, out in the, uh, hang out in this bird for a little bit, okay? We want you to get it. All right? Can you tell that we love you? Yeah. yeah. That's why we want you to get it. The sun, the day, and the night were placed in there for the whole world to know who God is, for his glory. They don't say anything, but his, their words go all around proclaiming the glory of God. Abenbola, are you ready for a Kyrie Comer? Yeah, man. If animated object have no breath, of God unto them, how much more we proclaim the word of the Lord. We are speaking by our action, by what we do, daily walking in what the Lord has ha, have given to us, daily putting into practice his word, but not by words, but by action. But we also have the word of God. We have his bread. We can speak 
faithfulness and salvation to do that are far from him. We have that. So we are more compelled to actually proclaim the word of the Lord to everything around us. Man, when you go to work and people see your diligence at work, that you're working as you're working for God, you don't have to say anything. You just put the word, you just put the hours. Men that see you, how you treat your wife, how you discipline your children. They see you around. That proclaim the glory of God and you're not saying anything. You're doing it. You're doing the word of God. Wife, the way that you respect your husband, the way that you look at them, that you watch them, that you encourage them, that you treat them like your Lord, the way that you teach your children, the way that people look at your children, how they behave. Look at these four lions right here. Look at them. That's a testimony for the nations. That's a testimony that don't speak. But it's there. It actually does speak. We are worse. That's what, we're trying, that's what we're trying to say, people. We need to put action. And we also need to put the word because we have it. We need to come to the realization that our actions is what will bring glory to God. That what we put into practice daily like Jesus did, he did his will to the end. He did his will to the end. So we must do the will of the Father to the end. So we know that the heavens proclaim and reveal knowledge. Knowledge of who God is when action and without lips. So our action must speak because we have action and speech. We have the spirit and we have the word. Amen? So, <laughs> we have actions and our actions speak really loud. But if I have a mouth, how can I not use it to glorify God? I mean, he gave me a mouth. He gave me speech. He put the word of God inside of my heart and on my lips. I mean, the word, the glory of God has to be just bubbling out of my mouth because I, I will do it with actions. I will do it with obedience. I will do it with diligence. I will do it following the, His commands. But I will also proclaim the glory of God. And I will also speak of the wonders of His majesty. How, what is your speech? What does your speech look like alone in your car? I mean, because the heavenly principalities are hearing you. I mean... You are proclaiming something every second of your life with your actions and with your speech. Amen. And if you're honest, you catch yourself saying more idle things than you should. Yeah. When nobody's listening, of course, because we have clean, clean speech at church, right? But in our car, maybe not so much. How about in your home? I mean, where is your speech going and where is, how is it being directed? Is it edifying? Is it building? Is it proclaiming God's faithfulness is he proclaim his work his power who he is are you glorifying God with the lips that God gave you in your office do people hear you and say what is in him why is he speaking like that why what is what is this why where's this, all this knowledge and revelation and power and like zealousness coming from I get to glorify my father as I speak Amen. everywhere we go I mean, don't count down, don't, don't count off the of, of, uh, H-E-B out of your list. 
Don't count off Kroger, Kroger or, or the DPS or anywhere you're at. You have lips that men are meant to glorify our Father because He has given you speech and you, will, you are meant to do so. We're going to, you know, if you ask yourself, <clears throat> and, and I, don't see my, I don't see my speech just pouring forth like I'm speaking, right? Like I may be able to do it in a service, but throughout the day, I may not feel like this is really bubbling out of me. What happens is that he established a covenant with a perfect sacrifice for you to drink deep, okay? For you to get springs of living water. That is what we need to go do. We need to actually take the benefits of this covenant poured out by his blood, okay, and drink deep of the living water so that we can overflow with it. Amen? Come on, church. Yeah, I'm sick and tired that my action and my word do not represent the Lord. I hope you do too. We need to represent him rightly. Man, are you being blessed tonight? All right, there's more. Let's go verse 4 on Psalm 19. There, talking about the heavens. Their voice go out through all the earth, and the word of the end uh, to the end of the word. In then he has set a tent for the sun, which come out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs his course with joy. Is rise is uh, rising in front of the end of the heavens, and is circuit. To the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from his heat. And it's coming out like what? Like a bridegroom. Man, like Nick Rosales over there. Oh, yes. Or Rob Barnett, wherever you're at right here. Right there. Or Juan Grimaldi. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's coming out. But out of what? Tent. Out of a tent. Let's look into that, but first, let's, let's touch into something. We know Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah 33, 20 says that the Lord established a covenant when day and night. And he's, he's speaking in the context of, of the covenant that he's, that he's do with, for David and he do for the Levites, all right? If you want to learn more about that, buy a fermenter and drink to Pastor Nick, and he will tell you everything you need to do about that. But tonight, we want you to get there is a covenant that the Lord established when day and night. Now, like the sun, the sun is in a tent. How that looks like, what a tent is made out of, it's made out of flesh. It's made out of dead animal skin. How will you put the sun in there? It will burn it like a marshmallow. That doesn't make any sense. But yet, the Lord still do it. I was asking myself this question, and I was like, man, how the Lord put such wisdom in Carlo being that tiny? So it's kind of the same way. It's like uh, how, how he does these things, right? But it is amazing. But the Lord does it. He does it, but the sun still come out. He still come out to proclaim his radiant, his light to the world. He come out like a, like a bridegroom, like a champion, say some translations. Like a strong man running his course. Running his course to the end. And he provides his heat. 
It's provide heat to everything that touch. Think about this. How your life look like on these regards. You know, we're talking about your family, your workplace. Doing grocery at Kroger. Do you bring heat to everything that is around you? To everything that touch you? That is near to you? That's the covenant that the Lord made with the sun. It was a covenant of life. The sun provide the right heat to produce life. It's needed. So this covenant was placed to produce life. We needed to be able to do life. But it need to come out of the tent. It need to come out of, out of the tent in able to provide the life that will, pro, that, that will come out of that. Think about the Son of God. Jesus, the Son, S-O-N, in case you don't get it. Talking about Son and, is a Son and Son. Yeah, okay. Son, the Son of God. He was placed in a tent. But this tent, he break it. He break the tent and he come out so you can have life. He come out out of his tent so everything that touch him can produce something. Can you see? If the sun is too close to something, it will burn it. It is too far, it will call and it will die anyways. But it's the right heat that produces life. Jesus says to the, uh, was it a... Uh, forget the word now. Uh, uh, the the bush that he said to to oh, die. Fig tree. The fig tree. He told the fig tree to die because it didn't produce anything. Think about that. At the heat of the Lord, actually consuming that. But the one that he relies on, he actually bring it for life. And that's you, church. He wants you to produce life. He's putting you in you the right amount of heat so something can come out of that. Do you see that the covenant of the Lord is life? We need that life in our life so we can produce something. Amen. Well, this is the OG covenant man, Yeshua. He coming out as a bridegroom, right? Like I'm a strong man. And, and he goes with joy and finishes his course. What about us? If he's the OG covenant man, he's also making us and sending us as covenant men like him. Yeshua said that the same glory that the Father had given him, that same glory he had also given to his disciples. Same. No difference. This is not an inferior, pathetic, beginner's type of glory. This is the same glory of the Son of God from the beginning, bestowed upon his own disciples, the, be the glory of the only begotten son. In the same way, our actions and our speech, both together, they declare that same glory. They declare the glory that has been bestowed upon us. They produce death in those who reject it, in those who reject that life. And they produce life, life eternal in those who receive it. The eternal life that is in us as children of God, God deposits such power in us for us to impact everything that we do, everything that we touch, everything that we say. We, we get to act like our covenant men.
like the OG covenant man. We get to follow his own steps. Levi knew about being a covenant man. Let's go to Malachi 2 verse 5. You want to learn about a man that is a covenant? All right. So Malachi 2, 5 through 6 says, My covenant with him, with Levi, was one of life and peace. There it is again. Covenant is about life. And I gave them to him. I was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and not wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in, in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from inequity. Here is a covenant of life and peace, life and shalom, right order with God, a covenant made with a man, made with Levi, a, a, a son of Joseph. I said Jacob, I'm sorry, guys. Is this is this is actually how the Lord make men to make a covenant? He put His word on His lip. He put the Torah, the word of God, in His mouth, and He don't only have the speech, but He also walked before the Lord, and He did the work that was preparing advance for Him to do. He was a man of a covenant. He was a man of action and speech. So the Lord required of us that we become this type of covenant man. Man like Levi. That he gave his life and recused many from the darkness and bring it to the light and turn many from inequity. Because he was a covenant of peace that he was in right order with God. He obeyed God to the end. He did everything that the Lord asked him to do. He have the word of God and he spoke it boldly. Without a preference or without a impartiality. He did the word of God and he was a covenant for the people. He was a man of covenant. All right. But we really want to learn from the OG covenant man, don't we? Yeah. Let's go to Isaiah 42 verse 1. Say covenant man when you get there. All right, it says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice, mishpat, to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. The covenant, the OG covenant man is a chosen servant. Chosen to be a servant in whom the father actually delights. Right? The OG covenant man is also empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is the reason why the Spirit is upon him. And he doesn't stop. Say, he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop until he brings forth justice. All right? It, the, the word says here that 
says here that he will not grow faint. He will not grow weary of doing this. And if you are a, a flame that is ready to give up, he will not snuff you out. Indeed, he will just blow into you and make you an actual flame of fire. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has brought the justice that he was sent to bring. He will accomplish, and he accomplishes, accomplishes his work when, when he was here, and that's what we learn from him. He was not discouraged. He didn't grow faint. He kept working until he accomplished that what, that what uh, he was sent to do. This covenant man took dominion, and he brought dominion all the way. Let's go to verse 5. It says, Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out like a tent, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. The God who created the heavens and earth, he stretched out the heavens like a tent for the sun. And he sustains every living breath, Amen. every living being in this place. It, regardless of how sick you feel, the only reason why you're alive is because he's sustaining you. He's giving you breath in this moment. And he gives spirit to those who walk in it. Amen. Verse 6 says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a life for the nations. To open their eyes that are blind and bring out the, pris the prisoners from the dungeons, from the prisons, those who sit in the darkness. So he is making the sun a covenant to the people, a light to the nation. Just like, the, like we see in Psalm 19, he is making a covenant, but here you can see him plainly. He's making a covenant to a man for this man to be a covenant for the people. Jesus is the covenant man. He's the man that, that brings light to the nation to open the, bl the, the blind eyes and to set captive free. He was called, he was chosen, and, he, and the father delighting him. So he became a covenant. But what about us? We are made in his likeness and image. Church, where you call. Do you have a calling? Have you been chosen? For what purpose? You were called to be a covenant. You were called to be a covenant for those that are far from the Lord. Just like Jesus is a covenant for you, he's making you a covenant for them. We need to open our eyes to this. We need to see that our Mesuzah is a covenant. Think about that. Think it. It's a covenant. The Lord make a covenant with you when you were called. He, when he shows you, he give you purpose. And that purpose is a covenant. And it's a covenant for those that are far from, those that are far from him. So they can see light in you. And they can see that there is a God that curse from them that will bring light to, light to their darkness. We need to become the sacrifice that was offered to bring water. Living water for those that don't have any. We need to become that covenant that brings heat 
to make the seed grow on those that have very little. We need to become like a the OG covenant man, that he give his life as a covenant for others to receive what we've been giving to us. Our calling is for us to offer ourselves as a covenant of life for others. Come on. Hey, are you getting something today? We are to be and follow in the steps of that covenant man. We are men to be given as covenants for the people. To receive, for them to receive what they need. Let's go to Isaiah 58 verse 5. Yes, get it. Covenant man. Verse 5. It's such the fast that I choose. A day for a person to humble himself. To feel good about how humble you've become, right? To humble yourself. Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and as a day acceptable to the Lord? It's not this, the fast that I choose. Hey, LCM, we're going we're gonna to read this and we're going to engage with this. Because this is what he says that he accepts. So I don't know what you're giving him, but this is what he says he accepts. It says, to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring your home, the, homeless into, the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? What he's saying is that he, your afflicted face of repentance does not please him. That's not enough for him. That's not what he's looking for. These are like bull and bulls and goats. That is not what he gets pleasure out of. He has given you a body. A body to be a covenant man and a covenant sacrifice. Amen. To follow on these steps. To follow on, on living a life that is loosening the bonds of wickedness. That is undoing yokes of sin in people. You are laying your life down as a covenant and sacrifice for others to receive the living water that comes through this perfect covenant. This is what he says is acceptable to him. That you don't see the, the hungry starving and turn your eye and say, God bless you. That you actually see the spiritual and the physical hunger and go meet it. Because that what, that's what a body was given to you for. That you see the naked and you cover them. That you lay your life down over and over and over again as the covenant man. That we release those who are oppressed. That you wouldn't just go by and see somebody oppressed and say that it's somebody else's job to do so. But you would say, no, I am going in. This is why a body was given to me and I'm going to set you free. If you refuse it, it's death to you. But if you accept it, it's life immediately. Amen. And I have it to give to you. This is, if this is what our lives look like, we have a promise. If, this is, if our lives are constantly spent on this, then we have a promise. Starting in verse 8. Then, sure your light break forth like the dawn. And your healing shall spread up spiritually. Somebody need healing today. Is somebody in this house that need healing right now? 
Come on, your righteousness should go before you. The glory of the Lord should be your rear, your rear guard. Then you should call and the Lord will answer you. You should cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the joke from the, from the midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Life, light, healing, righteousness, and the glory of the Lord all manifest when we do his work, when we do his will. You want light. You want healing. You want righteousness. You want glory. But what for? He promised this thing to the person that will give his, himself up. To the person that he, that will stand and take on him and pour out himself for others. He will give to this person all that. But instead of pointing the finger to the wicked or even partaking on the wickedness, we actually have to burn the wickedness free. We have to break the bond of the wickedness. Of wickedness. Instead of speaking wickedness, we need to get ourselves full of the word of God and bring light to those that need to hear it. Then you receive these things. Come on. Let's go on verse 10. Hey, we have, we have some conditions in these verses and you need to grab a hold of that. Say, if, if you pour yourself out, if you give yourself away, if you lay your life down for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a water garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. All right. We, we, we went to the one association. We learned about springs of water. We learned about, about the springs of light, water that would never fail. Well, there's a condition in this verse. If you actually pour yourself out, like this verse says, you should, as this verse says that the Father accepts and is pleased by it, right? For those who are hungry, for those who are afflicted, then you would have light shining forth out of us. Like the moon, like the moon that comes like a bridegroom, like a strong man. You would have that kind of light coming out of us. Our Father will guide us continually. Every, anybody prayed for guidance? I mean, anybody's like, Father, please lead me through this. Guide me. Show me your way. How about you devote yourself to giving your life away? He will guide you. Actually, you will talk to him and he will say, here I am. Because you're devoting yourself to the things that I care for. Our Father would satisfy our being through any desert. Anybody going through deserts and feel a little dry? He says that you would be satisfied. Satisfied when you're giving yourself away like this. We will be strong. We will have strong bones. We will be like this spring of living water whose waters do not fail. Why do the waters fail? Why do the waters never fail? Why? Because when the father sees somebody who is drinking deep and giving himself away in the same moment, he wants to pour more water. He becomes a spring of living water for him. 
He is wanting to give water to the one who pours himself out like this. This is what pleases him. Did you hear all the promises that we talked about in this verse? I mean, I, they're, they're unimaginable. You would have light, righteousness, healing. You would have water. You would have strength. You would have his ear attentive to you. I mean, what else do you need? What else do you want? Verse 12. I asked you a question. I said, what for? Here's the answer, guys. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundation of many generations. You shall be called the recipients of the, of, the, of the bridge, the repair of the bridge, the restore of the strip of dwell in, that dwell in it. So we are giving light. We are giving healing. We are giving righteousness so we can be the handiwork of God. That actually restore the word that he will come and possess for himself. That's why we're giving all these things. So we actually co can go out and proclaim to the nation who he is. And raise the foundation until the future generation will stand. That's why he's giving that to us. So we can pour out ourselves for others. So we can give our lives so they can have life. We will close the gap. Yes. We will stand and say, go, here I am. Send me. I will proclaim your word to the end of the word. Like a champion, like a bridegroom, like the son of God, like the son that you create. I will go and I will bring light to everything that I touch by the power that you have given me. This is what we call to restore the street of the city of the living God. So people won't stumble. So they won't fall in a hole or they fall in a pit. Because the street, the way have not been made straight. We will repair this way so our generation can walk in it. We're going to go to Ezekiel 22. And as we turn there. I want to give you a little bit of context of what's going on here. This father is bringing judgment to Jerusalem because abominations are happening. People are taking, are, are, are making covenant of death. And God is not taking it anymore. This is a difficult chapter. It is a difficult chapter of what's happening in Jerusalem. And on the midst of this, this is what he said. Are you ready? Ezekiel 22 verse 30. In the midst of this darkness, this is what he says. Verse 30. And I sought for a man. I sought for a man among them who would build up, who, who, who should build up the wall and stand in the breach for me. For the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Now, this, this, this um, verse is incredibly impactful to me. Because how many times have I laid down my life and, and prayed to my father and said, Hey, I, I want to give my life to you, everything, anything that you want. And here this verse is 
giving me a clue. He's saying, I sought for one man and I could not find him. Like the father was seeking, searching, and he could not find one single man that would build up the wall, who stand in the bridge, so that God's judgment would not come upon them. In the midst of the depravity of the people, he was looking for a man. He was not looking for one that would point the finger. He was looking for a man that would stand in the gap. He would not just look at a breach in the wall and say, ah, that, that looks awful. Somebody else would close it. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. No, he would be a man that gets to work. He goes and closes the breach. One that would stand up and build that wall. One that would be moved with the same exact heart of the father. Because the father was looking for one like this and there was none. To be what? To be a covenant man. To be a watchman. To be a mediator between God and man. These men would go like this. Would go, Father, forgive them. Father, if you're going to wipe them out, wipe me out of the book as well. This man would go and intercede in his quiet place before the father. But you know what else he would do? He would turn around and go work at the people. Go and see that they would be transformed. Go and lay his life down over and over and over again. That judgment would not come upon them. This is what it, me it's me it means to be a watchman, to be a covenant man, to be one that repairs the wall. One that looks at the hole in the wall and is not satisfied until it is, it is covered, until it is repaired. One that would stand before God. One that would be righteous because he's in a righteous covenant. So he gets to stand before God. He has that privilege and opportunity. Did not earn it. My brother said that it's because you believed. Not because you did anything. You just believed. You ate the bread and you ate the blood and you drank the blood. So you believed and you became righteous. You had a righteous standing before God. What are you going to do with that righteousness? What are you doing with that righteousness? You go stand before God. You intercede. You become a mediator, a covenant man, a watchman. Okay? One that stands in the gap and then you go work at the people. Man, a covenant man is a man that has sense of urgency. As a man that has sense of responsibility. One that don't wait for the right moment to act to the perfect circumstances to actually do something about it. A covenant man is one that see a gap in the wall. He go fix it immediately. Then the only way that he stop that, that he stop is because the Lord told him to. He's obedient to death. That covenant man need to come out of you. Your brothers need it. There are gaps in this room that need to be fixed. There are gaps in your own life that need repairs. And your brothers are there for you. They are there as a covenant giving to you so your, so your wall can be restored. So you again can become a covenant man for the nations. One that will go out and see the people actually suffering in need that they themselves need help and will, won't hesitate to actually give it to them. A man that is full of the word of God and is willing to do his will to the end. 
that man will come out of this church. But not only one, many of you. You need to trust in the covenant that God has given you. The covenant to your pastors. The covenant with your brothers and sisters next to you. The covenant with your wife, children. The covenants that you have with your parents. You need to trust in this because that's your very life. That's what brings life to you. Rise up to be a covenant man. A man that option and worse. That will see the gap and go after it. Man, don't think that this is Jesus alone. It's Jesus in you. I'd like to prove, your, to, to, to prove this to you. And I have the mic. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4. And we will start on verse 6. For God who say, the light shine out of darkness, he shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in his, in his, in his face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jar of clay to show that the supersing power belongs to God and not to us. This light were given to us through Jesus. We've been given this treasure. This treasure was given to us in a weak, bitter, and simple jar of clay that hosted. That's where we receive it. How beautiful is that? We have a jar of clay that is holding the mighty presence of God, the power of stars. And we put it in a jar of clay. For what purpose? Come on, verse 8. We're going to tell you the purpose of why this glory is in a jar of clay, in a very brittle jar of clay. Verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. What does it take for the light of the glory of God to come out of you, jar of clay? The jar of clay needs to be broken. Amen. That's what has to happen. Your brittle jar of clay needs to be shattered. This covenant man is broken to bring the covenant. The covenant man is in a jar of clay. And he offers this clay jar to be broken so that a covenant may be established in others' lives. You can have them both. I mean, I've, I've seen us. Sometimes we, we, we devote more time, energy, and everything that we've got, money, to be able to sustain the jar of clay that is perishing anyway. Like, we are mortal, but it doesn't mean that we don't age. We are not, we're immortal until we accomplish our, our job, our calling, but we're aging all through that process. 
We're perishing. So what are you devoting your life to? To preserve that jar of clay? To thicken the walls? If you thicken the walls and you preserve it, you make it appealing and nice, glory is not coming out of it. This verse says that you have this treasure as in a jar of clay. And then he goes to tell you of all the afflictions that you need to go through so that the life of Christ Jesus himself would be revealed in your life. Every time we devote ourselves to fleshly pursuits, we thicken and we embellish this jar of clay. We make the flesh bigger. We make the tent thicker. The tent that the sun needs to shine through, yeah, that one, we make it thicker. What that flesh has to do happen, what has to happen to that flesh, what has to happen to that jar of clay is it needs to be shattered. I will go to 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6. Sir, break the jar when you get there. No, we need to stop making our jar more robust, making bigger to break. Just putting it in a shell so we can contemplate it, but not realizing the power that is holding when we break it. Like tents, we need to rip it off so the power of the sun can come out of that. Second Corinthians 3, 5 through 6 says, Know that we are sufficient in ourselves, uh, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. But, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be minister, to be minister of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirits give life. We have been appointed as a minister, ministers of a new covenant. But what do you think when you hear the word minister? I mean, you hear about a government position, like a Carlos being a minister of Colombia? Do you hear the word minister as a something that only few get to do? The word minister is the Greek word 1248, and is diakonos. And this word means servant. How many servants of God are on this house? That's all of you. That's not only for a few of you to get to be ministers, but all of you get to get servants of the new covenant. I will read that again. Who has made us sufficient, more than enough, to be servant of a new covenant? We are servant. And as Jesus says, whoever will, will, will be great among, among you, must be your servant. More be your diacono. Whoever wants to be less among you must be your minister. Are you seeing your brothers are your minister? Because they are. They are your covenant. They are what you need to sustain life. To sustain life. For your kids to make it. For your for to see the flux that you don't see in your family. The things that you don't see on your wife. On your children. The things that you are blind to. There are that light that you need. We're going to go to our last passage. But it is a passage. Not a verse. Isaiah 49 verse 5. Starting in verse 5. 
Covenant man. It says, and now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and my God has been my strength. He says, formed in the womb, made capable and sufficient to be called a servant. A servant for what? To gather the tribes of Israel and bring them back to their God. Verse 6, it says, is it too small a thing for you to be my servant? To restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? Hey, if Israel is too small of a task for any of you here, he says something else. Ask yourself this question. Is this too small for you? Like, is this such a small task for you that you would have to bring the tribes of Israel back to their God? I mean, are you craving for a higher calling? How about, how about if you take it to every person that's around you? How about you if you take it to every person that, that is in this city? That is, that you get to interact with. Is it a small calling to you that you get to bring the kingdom to them? Be a minister of the covenant that you have partaken in? If it is too, too small of a thing, the next verse says, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles. That my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. He's saying, I'm going for all. I am making you a light and a salvation for everybody. You are given as a covenant to take the covenant. This was spoken of Yeshua and it's spoken of you if you are in Yeshua. 49 verse 8. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. To restore the land and to, uh, and, and to resent its desolate in, in inheritance. To say to the captives, come out. And to those in darkness, be free. The Lord has set, set you as a covenant. For do that are in desert lands. For do that are far from him. For his people and from the Gentiles. He has called you out so you can set captive free. Not to, not to sit in the comfort of your home. Watching the American dream pass in front of your face. He has called you to actually give yourself up. And give your life for others. So you can be light for those that don't have any. To be a light to those that are in darkness and to set the captive free. Bring them out, church. You have what it takes. The Lord has made you competent for this. You are the one that will set them free. Man. Let's stand up and we finish this verse. So Marlon ended with taking, them, taking the captives, setting them free, releasing them. For what? 
that last part of verse 9 says, They will feed besides the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat, them, beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. I will turn all the, my mountains into roads, and my highways will be raised up. See, they will come from afar, some from the north, some from the west, and some from what region? Family, the word that the Father gave Marlon and I is very clear today. We were called to be covenant men. We were called to be mediators of a covenant. Mediators how? Covenant men lay their lives down. That's how you're a mediator. We were called to be watchmen. We were called to be those who repair the walls. We were called to be that for your wives, you were called to repair the wall. We were called to make them blameless. You were called to do this for your children. You can't look at a gap in the wall and not fix it. You were called to do that for brothers. Do not cower in fear when you see something wrong, but to speak up because you love them. You were called to do that for those in your team, those that the Father has brought you cl together cl closer with. For your pastors, do you know that there are people, like your pastors are actual people? You were meant to take up a calling that is a covenant men-like calling, like the OG covenant men. But if all this wasn't enough, I'm greatly moved by those who are outside of God's household. I'm greatly moved for those Muslims. I'm greatly moved for those who are in bonds of wickedness. I'm greatly moved by those who are in that region. I'm greatly moved because we think that we'll get there someday and you're looking past the person that's in front of you. Why am I saying it? Because I have done that. Because I know you as well. Because I know that we have many important things to do. Like finish up your shopping cart. Instead of seeing the life that the Father has put in front of you. You were meant to be a covenant man. Not to get things done more efficiently. And a better way that you get faster. You were meant to lay your life down. Like Isaiah 58 says. If you do so, you would have everything that the fathers that you would ever ask the Father for. Light, healing, righteousness, glory. You would have Him listening to you and saying, here I am. The call today is to be a covenant man. In Isaiah 58, you read what does not please Him. What does not please him is that you afflict your soul right now and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I, I, I wish I could do this. I wish I could be better. I, could, I wish I could minister your covenant. I wish I could speak like this, uh, whatever. He does not care about that. He, that doesn't please him. What pleases him is verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 58. You can meditate on them all you want, but the most important thing is that you do them. 
that you lay your life down as a covenant man in the way that it's spelled out right there. The Father would bless us. The Father would give us water continually, like springs of living water just pouring out from heaven because we are getting the job done. Because people are being fed. Because we are not walking past by them, but we're seeing them and pouring out heaven on earth. He will pour out on us. If you're hungry for living waters, you must be given the water that you have out. The Father is calling us. This congregation will change the nations. Will change generations. But it doesn't start in some place far off. When you are finally called, it starts tomorrow. It starts right now. It starts as soon as the service is done. That's how the world is changed. That's how Yeshua did it. He wanted to take time off, but he didn't want. You know what? No time for time off. There's compassion, and their sheep, like, they don't have a shepherd, so I'm going to get to work. That is the heart that the Father is reviving inside of us today. Church, do you love these two men? Can you see the effect of the covenant inside of them? They're willing to lay down their lives for each other. Willing to lay down their lives not for the call of Christ in general, but for their brothers on their left and right in this room. Saints, rather than worshiping for a little while and then speaking to you on the way out, we're going to take a moment while we're standing with the lights on to talk about how we can practically respond to a message like this and as one victorious body walk out in the covenant that he's given us. I love what these men did taking us in Hebrews in seeing that the way the covenant was sustained was through the blood of Christ, but the body that was given to him. Saints, do you realize that not just you personally, but corporately, we are the body of Christ. Somebody say, we are the body. The very name Christian is something that we get so desensitized to. Like, I'm a Christian, man, as opposed to a Buddhist or some other religion on a box. No, we are literally saying, I am a little Christ. I am his representative. I am the one who will stand in the gap in his place because he redeemed me. Saints, I want to tell you, you are such a body. You are the kind of body that will stand in the gap for others so that salvation might occur, so that healing can rise. What these gentlemen pointed out in Isaiah 58 is going to stick with me for a long time. The result of us fighting for the needs of those around us is that light breaks forth like the dawn, and healing shall spring up speedily. Saints, I want to tell you, that it is a witness in the house of God when someone is healed. Can you say the miraculous is a witness? Those of you who have been pastoring a little while, whether in your home or on a corporate level, may be aware that it's a bigger witness when you're not healed and yet have an indomitable joy all in your face. Listen, any moment in a day you might be tempted to think you're the only one who's tired. You might be the tempted to think you're the only one who feels like your work is currently futile. 
But the reality is we are one body in Christ and every church in the one association is holding their head high while all the power of hell tries to bring them down. You want to know how we can stand in the gap? Well, we can feel the sentence of death in our own hearts, but rely upon God and his resurrection power and share that same power with our brothers. In fact, that's why we love the Apostle Paul, as he was brought nearly to death many times, but he shared the same resurrection with those who heard his message. In this house, we want to respond to this kind of covenant as one body standing in the gap. I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. I've been taking some notes from submission ministries and learning to use a NASB on occasion. What are you being discipled into in this house? Do you believe that it's some kind of cookie cutter man? Now, we can be more of a diverse group of men and women that come from different backgrounds, different languages, and yet we serve one God. We are being discipled into the image of Christ, the one who stood in the gap. The only way to obtain a word that sustains the weary is to be weary yourself. And God gives you a word that will sustain others. He goes on and says, The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. Church, you have not turned back. That's why you're standing here this evening. It goes on and says, I gave my back to those who strike me, the sides of my face to those who pluck out the beard, Carlos. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Saints, I love to see the miraculous. But I find that adversity actually serves me better than the healing power when it teaches me to set my face like flint. I am here to stand in the gap. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other who has a case against me let him draw near to me it's almost like the apostle paul when he said that if christ is for us who can be against us knew what isaiah had prophesied and he didn't apply it just to the prophet he applied it to the body of christ well he who vindicates is near tonight he who redeems is near tonight and he's calling us to stand on his behalf those who fear the Lord who obey his voice those who walk in the light of God so that we might blaze for our brothers what we want to do rather than rushing to an altar this evening is we're going to raise our hands with the lights on we're going to begin to intercede for the covenants that are in this room and then while a recording is still rolling, we are going to begin to pray for our brother churches in the One Association that are currently experiencing the same adversity. But instead of praying for our own healing, 
we're going to pray that God might intercede for them and set our faces like flint for the target of God. Mighty one, we say right now, we thank you for what you've instilled in us. We thank you for the passionate burning word you placed inside of these men. Lord, we are tired of asking for ourselves. We say, healed or not, we will stand in the gap. Lord, we ask that you would strengthen the brotherhood in this room, that there would be none who stand on the outskirts any longer, that you would tighten the fold. Lord, that where is a gap, that we might lay our own lives down to seal it. Lord, and as one body, we stand as your ambassador before our brothers. Lord, we say, let that building be built in Virginia. Lord, let the land be cleared and a foundation be laid. Father, we ask that you would rise like healing in Chicago now. Lord, that your wings would light upon them. Lord, that in that dark land, that they might be a light that is visible from a distance. Lord, we thank you for King's Harvest. Lord, that it is a crop that was rescued from flames. Lord, you caused that work to come into existence. Lord, that you would sustain it now. Then in our prayers and in our toils before you, we might support them in that endeavor. Father, we thank you for Remnant Church, that you have preserved a remnant of men. Lord, we're excited to see them once a year. Lord, but our hearts are longing for more. Lord, we want to intercede on their behalf every day. Holy One, we are blessed by the springs that you have planted here in our own country. Lord, we are longing to see them multiply. We thank you for disciples that are coming out of Indonesia. Lord, that are hard-pressed, that are persecuted, that are experiencing the same sickness we are and more right now. And we say, let your healing power be put to work there, Father. Lord, complete that work in Miss Gwen's eyes. Cause those ears, those eyes to be fully healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for those Peruvian mountains, as difficult as they are to get to. Holy One, that you have caused your gospel to break out and a new generation is going to spend their life laboring there. Lord, we say, let those sons not be counted out. Lord, raise up men who will join them. Add ministry partners to that work, Father. Set them apart now. Those who will give their lives in that location and will be the man in the gap. Lord, we are stirred by the covenant that you've arranged and we refuse to sink into inward thoughts, into selfish prayers. We say we are your body and your body is a victorious one. Saints, as we begin to worship, I want you to keep this attitude that the men have displayed to us this evening. But we are not going to sink into our own previous failures, into our own previous woes. You are Christ on the earth. Tonight as we worship, Tonight as we pray and we sing, we do so on behalf of those that cannot do it for themselves. When we walk out of here, we are going to walk out in the victory of Christ and we will put this word into action, causing healing to spring forth by putting ourselves between the enemy and those Christ wants to say. Let's begin to worship.